Alive and Kicking is sponsored by DeskBeers.com, perfect as a gift or a thank you to the team at the end of a long week. Each DeskBeers box contains a selection of 12 of the best craft beers available, with two to three styles in each box. As a special offer for Alive and Kicking listeners, you can get 20% off your first order by entering the code AK90 when you sign up at DeskBeers.com. Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. The podcast that's more 90s than naff-naff jackets and bright-coloured Adidas and Kappa shell suits. My name is Ash Rose and I've been put in charge of this walk down memory lane into a decade that we like to say changed football forever. Tonight we're putting the focus on those players who entertained us both on and off the pitch during the 90s, the Mavericks. Yes, so we're talking Gaza, Letizia, Cantona, Di Canio, Ginola and more. Um, with some fellow members and fans of the 90s teams. Uh, before we meet them, remember you can follow us on Twitter and on Facebook at AK90s. Uh, so drop us uh, a follow and any comments on there. And as I always say, tweet us your memories or your merchandise or anything you want to talk about in 90s football. And, and what you'd like to talk to in future shows as well. We've got some themes lined up, but if there's anything particular that you'd like us to talk about, um, drop us a line because we're always open to more ideas and more memories and more themes. So do that. And subscribe on iTunes where you can listen to the old episodes. It's got some great interviews and great memories. And, and drop us a rating as well. That would be really kind of you. Um, but on to tonight and tonight's guests. And... Firstly, it's a first pod for someone, first team we've had as well. And then he's going to talk us through uh, a magical time in the 90s where they got to watch Mr. Letizia's finest moments at the Dell. At the Dell. Yeah, it was the Dell. I was going to say St. Mary's then. No, it was but it was, it was the Dell from the Press Association. Simon Peach, Evening. welcome. Um, and then across from me, we've got a third week in a row, which we didn't have a few for a while, but now May United are investing, <laughs> uh, in, in invading this podcast. Um, from Soccer Styles, Dominic Hangley. Uh, good afternoon. Good afternoon and good evening, sir. And from Bang Showbiz, somebody who, I like always saying this because it makes me laugh, you can remember the famous five at Tottenham Hotspur <laughs> from Mr. Phil Hamilton. Good, good evening. Good evening, guys. Now, I'm gonna, in, before we do our 90 CVs, which, I, uh, which we always do, um, I've got a new feature. Ooh, can I have a new? Thank you, thank you. Um, I was going to put a jingle on it, but I no, didn't have time. Uh, <laughs> basically, it's called This Week in the 90s, so it does exactly what it says on a tin. So I thought between this pod and next pod, we'll look at, uh, I'll just mention a few things that happened this week in the 1990s. So starting this week, 29th of September 1994, Aston Villa knocked into Milan out of the UEFA Cup on penalties. The 30th of September 1998, Arsenal played the first ever Champions League game at Wembley, which was a 2-1 win over Panathinaikos. The 1st of October 1996 was Arsene Wenger's... Uh, he began life for Arsenal, his first day on the job. Uh, 1st of October 1995, a guy we'll be talking about later, Eric Cantona, returned after his ban for the Kung Fu cook and scored in the 2-2 draw with Liverpool and dancing round the post. On the 3rd of October 1992, Daly Acton scored goal of the season against Wimbledon, one of the great goals in the 90s that we'll be discussing in a pod further down the line. And finally, on the 4th of October 1994, Tottenham began the second half of the game with Newcastle with just nine men. And Phil, can you remember why? Do you know what? I can't remember why. because Rule Fox and Les Ferdinand were still in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> 
Really? That's research right there. Yeah, that is some <laughs> serious research. I don't know what Sir Les was doing in there, but yeah, that's what that was happened. So we'll, we'll, as we're on Tottenham, we'll go to you and your 90s CV first of all then. So we've had a few of these, but go on, sum up the 90s in as quick a sentence as you possibly can for well, Tottenham. Well, yeah, uh, Ash, you asked me for one sentence. I that's, think I that's c- fine. I think I could give you one word, which would be Spursy, to be honest. Um, <laughs> never. That should be in the dictionary. It should be. I mean, the, the whole decade was uh, summed up by crushing lows and, and disappointments and a few great cup runs um, and a few bright sparks really but I mean I was looking back at the league uh, positions today and you know 15th was a popular position 7th and 8th was a popular position but we never we never quite got the 90s I don't think we, we tried we tried to get the exotic foreign managers like Christian Gross but, and his bus um, pass and his bus pass the, the famous uh a picture of him on the tube um, obviously that didn't work out and we almost got relegated uh, we, we did get some good foreign players we obviously got Jurgen Klinsmann we obviously um, had the, the famous five that season um, with Dimitrescu and, and, and Popescu as well but we just never quite kicked on and, and it, was, it was just a, it was just a decade of, of disappointment really mm. um, there were you know there were some there were some good Cups players either end yeah, I mean, obviously, the beginning of the uh, the decade with the FA Cup win and obviously Gaza and Lineker and, and uh, Paul Walsh and stuff was, was great, but we never really kept the team together. So we lost those players and then we we would get a, a new team. So we then had a team with Klinsman and, and Sheringham. And obviously, Darren Anderson was a regular feature, but we just never seemed to kick on, really. Um, and I think two cups in, in 10 years sort of sums it up for Spurs. I'd love two cups in 10 years. <laughs> um, I've cheated this week with these guys um, on best cup player because they're not allowed to mention the guys we're going to talk about later, just so we don't repeat ourselves. So other than if it possibly could have one of the guys we'll talk about later, best club player? Uh, for me, it would be... I mean, I, I, I do love uh, David, but if I had to pick one, it'd be Teddy Sheringham for me. Um, from the infamous corner, which carried on to, to Man United, which teams never seem to work out. Um, and it's just his general all-round play. You know, he could, he could finish from anywhere outside the box, inside the box, headers. Uh, he was part of, obviously, the, the fantastic uh, England team for yeah. Euro 96. And he really was, you know, the, the thinking man's forward. Uh, I, I think I speak for all Spurs fans who say he was, you know, one of our greatest strikers. And, and definitely... Um, well, certainly one of our best players of that decade, yeah. yeah for sure. And outside Spurs, best 90s player overall? Oh, I think for me, it would actually it'd have to be big Alan Shearer, I oh, think. Um, okay. One, I, re- I always respected uh, Alan for turning down Fergie twice, yeah. um, which was something that made me happy uh, in the 90s. And, and of course, for him to play for Newcastle, to play for his hometown team, uh, was, was, was great to see, to, to see him want to do that. I know Newcastle obviously had a, a, a sniff of a trophy back then, but... I think he's just the, uh, the the greatest striker of the 90s and, and probably the greatest striker of the Premier League era, to be honest. Well, funny thing about Shearer, and my dad will kill me for saying this, though, he, my dad never rated him, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> my dad has to watch you know, players like Steve Slade play for QPR in the 90s, yet he didn't rate um, Alan Shearer. Hilarious. Right, we're going to go to the South Coast then, and Mr Peach. Yeah. Sum up the 90s. This is going to be interesting. Some of the 90s for Southampton. Um... I'll try and do it a bit shorter. <laughs> yeah, the sentence. A I'm going to get a gong on this, I think. But yeah, yeah no, because I've, I've read sentence and I've tried to put yeah. it in a sentence. <laughs> uh, pretty bad, but flashes of genius. Mm. I think that pretty much sums up Southampton because mostly we were struggling against the drop. Uh, almost always, it felt mm. like. But then you'd have the, the man we're going to be speaking about later, Mr. Letizia, and a number of others that just kind of lit it up and kind of made it worthwhile. And 
it was it was entertainment rather than you were going there to watch a winning side. Mm. So other than because for any Southampton fan that area, it's an easy thing to say would it be Letizia, and then we'll talk about him as we say in a minute. But other than him, favourite player of the nineties at Southampton? Um, this might this is, you've probably not even heard this name for a few years, but Egolosti. Oh, I knew. Yeah. Oh, I only knew yeah. you were going to say that because I think I've seen you tweet a picture of you when you were younger yeah. with Egol, and I was just like, I hope he says Egolostenstadt. Egolostenstadt to me was just this. It was it was at that time in the mid nineties when. Foreign players were still a bit kind of wow. He's he's come from mm. Norway. <laughs> he's come from Norway. Wow, why is this a long way to come? Um, and he was just good. And I, I know it officially wasn't a hat trick, but he did score a hat trick in the six three against mm. Manchester United. Um, and he was just because of him and because of Klaus Rundigvam, another Norwegian. I I supported Norway in World Cup ninety eight. I mean, why wouldn't why, you? Of course, yeah. So I had the Norway shirt when we when we beat Brazil in the group. They'd have a co- big collar. That was yeah, that big one. collar, yeah. still got it. Yeah, oh, a bit brilliant. tight now, <laughs> but still got it. So yeah. yeah. Well, you had exotic frogs late as well. Marion Marion Pahars was another one I was. Oh loved. yeah, yeah. Marion Pahars. A bit later in the fantastic, but the Latvian so, Michael Owen, as they called him, and outside of Southampton, who would you say your your favourite nineties player would be? Um, it's probably a bit easy just to follow suit by saying Shearer, but yeah. as a Southampton Academy graduate, mm. which I think every every good footballer pretty much is nowadays. Yeah, that's, the, that's um, the CV you have to do now. No, he was just brilliant, and he, he'd always find the net. And I just remember that I don't even know if that was or not is, but there was that wonderful strike. He just absolutely smashed it from outside the box, and it. He could score you could, all types of. That's what yeah, I like. Alan, Alan yeah. Shearer is always known for the batter around type, but he actually could score. Yeah, yeah. In his early days at Blackburn, where he used to, he had actually had a bit of pace as well. Mm. He could score all and types I, and of I goals. Liked his celebration, it was just so simple. That's all you need. More, more celebrations like that. Yeah. One Harry Kane doesn't do that. He's kind of a one air in the air man, isn't he's, he? He's trying to copy it. He's not yeah. quite pulled it off. Big Al's been giving him a bit. He's not had a lot of practice this season. No, and he had a bit of luck on Saturday. To be all right. Fair. Hashtag keep it nineties. Uh, finally, <laughs> I always leave May United to last because the easiest decade to sum up. So go on, Dom. Sum up the nineties for May United. You only need one word. Go on. Uh, domestic success was really high but I think and I might sound a bit greedy here <laughs> you European, definitely will you will <laughs> uh, Southampton and a QPR fan and a Spursy over there and I think Sir Alex nailed it on the head uh, with his interviews the last couple of weeks but they never did enough in winning in Europe mm. they won the Champions League they won a Cup Winners Cup but the amount of times they made the semi-finals and didn't do what they should have done I think that was the only failure yeah. when you talk about the 90s but domestically I don't think you can we, we, lost the threads, Zenit, we lost the Zenit Data Cup final in the 90s that's pain my friend <laughs> I love, I, that's the second mention we're going to have on this podcast of the Zenit Data System so that's that, I, I love it already um, favourite obviously you can't mention the guy that we're going to talk about so favourite 90s player at Man United uh, when I first started out it would have been Schmeichel but mm. as I got a little bit older in the 90s with David Beckham I think yeah. a lot of United fans first time he's had a mention actually on this at that age would have said Surprise, Beckham isn't yeah. it? He, um, obviously he got sent off in the World Cup and he was public enemy number one he come back for the first game of the 98-99 season 2-0 down to Leicester set sharing him up for an equaliser and then scored the free kick in what was I think the 92nd minute mm. and the United fans then took him under their wing and I think it was one of his best seasons that he had at United obviously he won the treble and he was unbelievable that season a so, quick throw out to the other guys here David Beckham do we think he's under, probably underrated? I always think that he doesn't get enough credit for his football ability. Well, I think I think with England fans, um, England fans love him, and, and especially you could see the effort that he put in all the time. I think in the league, he probably is a bit underrated, mm. to be honest. I think people think of him as a, a guy who just crossed the ball in for York and Cole, but um, you know he was far more than that. He was he was a fantastic player. You know, you don't have the vision to score from the halfway line um, if you're not a fantastic player. Mm. Do you think? Do you think? He would be appreciated more if 
if they still played the same formation now. I mean, no one really plays yeah. with a, with a, a right, traditional mid- right traditional, winger. Yeah. If if there was if he was more if he was more of an attacking a pacey player, I think he'd still be spoken about more yeah. regularly. But because Ooh. his position's kind of, I guess it is redundant. Yeah. I mean, a lot yeah. of teams don't use that player. It probably gets underappreciated for that, but technically it was fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And um, 90s player outside Old Trafford, Dom? I think I'm going to have to go to the continent. Uh, oh, I like to, it. I like go it. to Syria and probably say Gabriel Batistuta. Oh, that's a name we haven't had as well. Um, yeah. I've got my best friend who listens to this regularly as well, he, uh, yeah, he, he winces every time he hears that name just because <laughs> it's, it's just a oh, batty he goal. Was, wow. Yeah, he was unbelievable. Like, he, like Shearer, scored pretty much every goal that you could see. Um, obviously taught Arsenal part of Wembley in the Champions League I think it was 99 and then did the same to United Old Trafford in 99 scored against us in the World Cup in 98 and yeah I think all round he was brilliant I'd put Rivaldo up there yeah. as well because I think Rivaldo was a class player and in the Brazil team I think he was slightly underrated compared to like Ronaldo at mm. first and then later on Ronaldinho um, but yeah Batistuta up there for me definitely mm. he scored a great hat trick didn't he um, Rivaldo I remember that not, yeah. it wasn't in the 90s um, I'm, I'm not unlike a certain match say, which we'll talk about in just a second but before we do we may be talking about Mavericks tonight um, <laughs> but we have got a uh, guy at the other end of the pitch on the phone um, he played for Nottingham Forest throughout the 90s um, and for Wales as well is Mark Crossley Mark Crossley welcome to Alive and Kicking I'm good. I'm doing good, thank you. Um, good to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us. Um, we'll take you back to the '90s, um, which for you pretty much was Nottingham Forest. You played there pretty much the whole of the decade. What part of, of that decade do you remember most fondly? Uh, my debut, actually. Uh, my debut when I got my debut. Brian Clough was manager. Uh, Brian Clough. I was worked under him for six years, actually. So I was there from '87 right through to 2000. So. But my debut, the way that he actually did it, was uh, amazing. Um, I was apprentice at the time, and we had four goalkeepers at the club. And the uh, I used to live in uh, digs on the corner where the where the actual ground was. Uh, and we were, I, I, the first team goalkeeper had gone down with a with a virus. And the, the second choice goalkeeper was out on loan. Uh, third one was injured, and I was fourth. So what he'd done is he caught my parents during the during the day and said, "Get yourself down, Mark's playing tonight, but don't tell him." <laughs> so I arrived at the ground about half past five. It was a Tuesday night game against Liverpool, seven forty-five kickoff. Parents had been down all day. Brian Clough wined and dined them himself, took them out for a meal, looked after them, and then at, at quarter to sorry at seven o'clock with a seven forty-five kickoff, he uh, he called me into the dressing room and he said, "Get your boots on, son, and your gloves." He says, "You're playing." I thought he was winding me up to be honest, <laughs> right? But uh, uh, so, it, like, I only had forty-five minutes to think about it. So it was amazing, like how he did it, and we won the game two-one. So I remember it, remember it like yesterday, and that was back in eighty-eight. Wow! So, and um, um, ever must have a, a Brian Clough memory as a Brian Clough story. You worked with him under a long time. You've got a good story you can tell us about Brian Clough. Yeah. Um, oh, a story, right? Well, after that game, he kept me in the team uh, to play the next two games because I'd done pretty well in the game. Uh, usually with a young lad, it's usually one game, does all right, and then he usually comes back out of the team when when uh, senior professionals are fit to play again. Uh, but it wasn't the case for me. He kept me in the team at Newcastle uh, for a away game and, and we won that 1-0 and I did okay again. So he kept me in for the third game, which was FA Cup against Coventry. Uh, we won that game 3-2, so things were going pretty well. And I probably got a little bit too big for my boots and thought I'd arrived as a professional footballer. 
So what he did to knock me back down to earth, he told me uh, on the after the game against Coventry, I turned around to the rest of the lads and said, uh, I'll see you on Monday, lads. Just thinking naturally that Sunday was a day off. And he said, where are you going? And I said, I'm going, I'm, I'm going home. He says, where's home? I said, Barnsley. He says, my house tomorrow morning, nine o'clock, bring your boots and your gloves, don't be late. Well, I didn't even know where he lived for a start, so I was struggling there for, from, from the beginning. But I managed to uh, get the groundsman, actually, who'd been working there years, to take me to his house on the Sunday morning. Not knowing why I was why I was going there, I thought he was going to give me like a bit of coaching or something in his back garden. But when I got to his house, his, uh, his wife came to the door. He said, hi, Mark, how are you doing? Come in. Um, um, i still not knowing why I'm there. She said, come in, I'll make you a cup of tea. Uh, Brennan's upstairs, I'll be down in a minute. So I'm sat in the kitchen and he walks down the stairs and he, he come in and he looked at me and he said, well, he's got two sons, he's got Nigel and he's got Simon. Now, Simon was the uh, manager of a team in the Derbyshire Sunday League in Division 5. Okay. So Brian Clough said to me, get in the car with Simon. He says, you're playing for AC Hunters this morning, son. <laughs> Simon's team. So I'd gone from playing three games, Liverpool, Newcastle and Coventry, and now on the Sunday morning, I'm play, as, as a ringer, I'm playing for AC Hunters in Division <laughs> 5 of the Derbyshire Sunday League. Did you have a good game? Uh, we won the game quite easily, but... Uh, the club did get fined for playing a ringer on the day for playing me and they, they got fined 150 quid and Brian Clough took the money for the fine out of my wages oh, that's unfair. to pay the fine so it, it really really put me back down to earth oh. going and playing in Division 5 of that Sunday league so Brilliant. that's a typical way of him of the way that he treated players but uh, he also got me to sign a blank a blank contract he got me in the office he said I'm going to give you a new contract he said, do you want to carry on working for me? I said, yeah, I'd love to. So I put the contract on the table in front of me. And he said, sign that. And I said, I can't sign that, boss. He said, why not? I said, because it's blank. There's nothing on the contract. I can't sign a blank contract. He said, you've got five minutes, son, to think about it. He said, if you don't sign it, you can go back and play for Barnsley. That's where I originate from. So I had five minutes to think about it. So I signed the blank contract. Uh, phoned home, phoned the old man. He said, "What have you done, you idiot? Could put, could put anything on that contract." And he filled it in, but he actually looked after me and gave me a four-year contract. So I think that built up a certain trust that I was prepared to sign a blank contract. So it just proved that I wasn't there for money, just there to play football and play for him. And then built up an instant trust, which was the best thing I ever did signing that blank contract definitely and you enjoyed some good years at Forest as well including the I mean obviously the result of the 91 Cup final wasn't great for you guys but to play in an FA Cup final and save a penalty that must have been a, a good memory what do, what do you remember about that, that game and yeah, that save oh, well they all build up to it and everything it went like a flash to be honest and because it was so excited and to be playing at Wembley in an FA Cup final as a 21 year old it, it's got to be a very lucky person to, to, to do that and with a lot of young players like myself and uh, on the day I thought we were the better team and it, but it got overruled it was like the Gaza it was the Gaza Cup final really mm, wasn't it yeah. when he did his uh, when he did his knee so but yeah I did say the penalty that day and but we got beat so didn't matter did it so uh, but yeah it was great it was great day great to be involved in, in an FA Cup final obviously and just, I was just like sad that we didn't win it. We went to Wembley five times in three years, and uh, wondering while well, whilst I was there. 
Winning the League Cup, wasn't it, in the in 1990, if I remember? Two League Cups. Yeah. I didn't play in that, but yeah, two League Cups. Uh, used to be a cup called the Simod Cup. Yeah. And the, the Zenith Data Cup as well. Yeah, remember the Zenith, yeah. Yeah. So, good times so, at Forest. Good time. Brilliant mm. club. Loved it. If I, if I roll back the, the years and say where was my favourite time, then uh, I have to say it was it was at Forest and working on the club. Like, he, he was, I've had 21 managers and by far he's is the best. Yeah, he's one of the best ever. He's one thing best. you're you're quite known for as well, talking a penalty save, is you're the only if I remember if I've read this rightly, you're the only uh, goalkeeper to save a penalty from one Matt Letitia. That's quite a stat really, isn't it? It is like like it's amazing really when the guys took four I think forty eight penalties and yeah. only missed one and uh, again, penalties. I must have been decent at saving penalties. Yeah, well there's two massive saves uh, you've made there. I think uh, I think 14 penalties in the Premier League and saved eight. Someone got in touch with me recently and said it's a record, 57%. So I'm quite proud of that as well. But yeah, a funny story with that with Matt Letizia is uh, he had a he had a big do down in Southampton and uh, I think he got in the Hall of Fame, 100 100 people Hall of Fame, and they had a big dinner in uh, in Southampton for him at the theatre where Laurie McMenemy, Chris Nicholl, they were all there, all interviewing him, and Matt was speaking, and it was great. And his agent got hold of me, and he said, uh, we want to re- re- replay the, the, the penalty, <laughs> but, it, but, but Matt doesn't know. Will you come down? So I thought, five-hour drive. Well, anyway, I thought, yeah, I'll go down. So I went down, and they put a, they put a big goal, a prop goal backstage, and as Matt was speaking at the front of the stage, the curtains were drawn and they've wheeled this big goal out. And the guy interviewing him said to him, uh, Matt, well, obviously you took 48 penalties and uh, you only missed one. And he said, yeah, 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 he was lucky, he dived early. Da, 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 da. He says, well, we're going to give you a chance to uh, redeem yourself. So the curtain goes back and there I am, I'm stood there <laughs> in the goal on. I'll not repeat what he what what he, what he said when the when the curtain went back, but he took the penalty again and I saved it again. Oh no! <laughs> you yeah, are the nemesis, the nemesis of Matt yeah. Brilliant. Before you go, Mike, yeah. one more question for you. It was on Twitter. I can't remember the person, but I'll look back and and, and see who, who asked the question. It was about the goalkeeping kits you used to wear in the nineties. They're all right, shockers. What did you ever think of those? Well, back then, these days, the goalkeeper, as I say, you can pick. Yeah. Uh, it can it can like pick the colours and everybody wears plain now. But yeah, you're right. Back in the, in the 90s, I've got some shirts on the wall at home, and they are horrific. Believe <laughs> me, they are horrific. Do us a favour, Mark. Uh, put, take a picture of them and put them on Twitter so we can show. I will do. I will do. I'll, uh, I'll the one that I wore in the FA Cup final. I've got up on the wall. I'll take a picture of that and uh, and, and send it on to you. Brilliant. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there were some terrible ones, weren't there? <laughs> and they really were when, when when it rained. Them shirts got really, really heavy. Yeah, because they were full uh, of shoulder pads as well, weren't they? Everywhere, padding everywhere. That's right. Yeah. Padding on the shorts, padding on the elbows, padding on the shoulders. Who invented these? I don't know. <laughs> like, but the, the, they, were, they, they were terrible. And they, they can stay. Terrible, they... But, but at the time, they felt right. Like everybody was wearing. So it was a. It was the in thing back then. Definitely, something that can definitely stay in the nineties. Well, thank you for talking to us, Mark. No worries, any time, mate. Anytime. Thanks a lot. See you then. Bye then. Bye. So two saves from Matt Letizia from so I think he put, should put that on his Wikipedia page as well. Two saves from Matt Letizia. Now let's talk about the man then. So Simon Peach, you are allowed to wax lyrical about Matt Letizia for as long as you like. Go. 
what, what isn't to like? <laughs> really, what isn't to like? Especially now, it's probably coming to focus more now in the modern era. A, a guy who was supremely talented, could have probably played for most teams in the world, chose to stay at, stay at a provincial club on the south coast of England because he was happy. Mm. I mean, what's not to like about that? It wasn't for the money. He did it because he enjoyed football. He, he, he liked... Uh, this was a guy that people say, well, he didn't really test himself at the top level and stuff. He, but at the same time, if people question his personality, this is a guy that enjoyed um, entertaining fans. This is a guy that enjoyed, actually says he enjoyed being the man that has to get Southampton out of trouble when they yeah. were struggling. I mean, that's no lack of category. This is a guy that enjoys penalties. He's English. Yeah. <laughs> he's English. This guy enjoys his lack taking... of England caps to suggest that. Yeah, well, that, that, but again, that, I think nowadays, I think he'd probably play more regularly because mm. there's a more. Well, one, he'd probably be forced to be more disciplined, but I think that role is probably easier to fit in yeah, into a more system. established. Like yeah. sort of, he'd be a number ten, isn't he? He's a, now what we yeah. call a traditional number ten. But whereas then he didn't, he didn't have that, and you, the fact that every everyone you speak to that about 90s football will bring him up yeah. and yeah Southampton were pretty rubbish at that period not that I'm suggesting that they're anything particularly special now but they, this was a guy that single-handedly dragged the team along mm. and I mean Zavi said he was his favourite yeah, player I love that's that ridiculous it's one of my favourite quotes <laughs> of all his goals and I, I mean we talked about hat-tricks earlier with Rivaldio and they, I always remember that night game at, at the Dell against Newcastle was that, it was a hat-trick was it against Newcastle I think it was a brace was it a brace but both of them were, were ridiculous were, were just beyond if someone like Messi or even around that time someone like Ronaldo, the original Ronaldo scored that goal we'd see those repeated because they were just some goals weren't they yeah well, one of them was a flick over a few people's heads and a placed in the bottom corner he said he he didn't hit that sweetly enough he missed. He said he missed. Oh hit shucks! It. He said he missed hit it, which is why it's yeah. not his favourite goal. Which yeah. is shows he's had a few. And the other was, I think he just put it on his chest and yeah. volleyed it into the, across the keeper. So yeah, it's been a few. I like the the chip against Man United. Yeah. Um, again, he 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 didn't plan it. He just ran to the edge of the box and went. Philippe Albert chipped Schmeichel <laughs> the week before. Looked just chipped and there. Beat Schmeichel 6-3 thank you very much it's the second time I've managed to mention that so far yeah <laughs> and that goal uh, was it the Blackburn one was he won goal yeah that's, that, that's, that's the, the one that's that people his remember that's yeah. his favourite uh, Tim Flowers because another Southampton uh, graduate of the youth team showed a I can't remember who he turned he turned someone inside out and then from about 40 yards, 40 yards just went yeah I love that and he apparently told Tim Flowers before the game there was a towel that he always kept at the side of the goal <laughs> that I'm going to hit your towel yeah. I'm going to hit your towel I'm going to hit your towel and then just bang and if you look at the replay it does go in across and hit yeah. the towel Brilliant. And we call him Maverick because there are certain players that are entertainers but there are Mavericks because of that just difference to him Matt Letizia was different like we say because he stayed at Southampton I mean for guys looking like you two guys on the outside what, what did you appreciate him more as a player because because I think Spurs were, were sniffing around him yeah, in the 90s. Yeah, he was a fan. Yeah, so yeah. What, did you appreciate him more as, as that kind of... He had that side to him where he was brilliant, but he also just wanted to play football for his local club. I, I, I um, respect any player who wants to play for the local club. Uh, I think Spurs tried to get him in 1991 season, I think it was. Um, he was, you know, he would have been a, an ultimate Spurs player. We, we would have loved him up the lane. But um, I always look forward to seeing his goals. I always look forward to watching him play because he just could see things on the pitch mm. that other players didn't see and uh, I know people speaking about him off the pitch uh, Tim Flowers said 
when they they they'd be having their meals, he'd scrape all the vegetables and sell it off, and he literally just lived on a diet of chips. And <laughs> well, he was, he's a notoriously bad. Tra- if you talk to anyone and you see anyone interviewed from that era who played with him, he's a terrible trainer. He was one of those who turn up on the day, play like that, but throughout the week, like you say, he didn't really train. He didn't eat properly, but he could still play like that. I mean, and you think so? He he didn't um, train very well. He didn't necessarily eat the right things, but he was uh, a fantastic player. He didn't need any of that. He he was. Uh, a great player because he could see things on the pitch that other people can't see and I mean if he was around now doing the sort of things that um, he did then I mean what would the price tag be on him yeah it's a good job Twitter wasn't around then as well imagine what would happen (laughs) if he scored one of those and it was on Sky that's a lot of for a lot of players a good job Twitter around as a Romain United fan I think what do you remember worse I suppose was it the the 6-3 and that that was the day the kit well no it was the 3-1 wasn't it the 3-1 then 6-3 or was it Massimo Taibbi? I think it was you saying about what happened this week and whatever year. I think Taibbi's was last week. Was, yep. That would have happened. Yeah. So, yeah, I remember seeing that and just gobsmacked at uh, what Taibbi had done. But obviously, Letizia was quite surprised himself. <laughs> he turned away, was upset with himself with a shot, managed to get a goal. And I think it finished 3 all that day. But um, for me, with Letizia, he it reminded me a lot of the way Glenn Hoddle was used. Yeah for England where he wasn't used in his strongest position mm. and when Glenn Hoddle was in charge of England he failed to use Letizia yeah. in the way he should have done and now I thought Glenn Hoddle would have learned from him being used out on the wing not getting the game time he probably should have done in the preferred position for England Letizia was exactly the same you look back at the strikers we had then though <laughs> for England Shearer, Cole Ferdinand, Wright the list goes Sheringham, Owen mm. Now, I think he'd walk into that side. Oh, a lot of those would, yeah. I yeah. think you could pair. Uh, my, my favourite member of Matt's is actually seen him... I didn't see him live. I can't remember him having a great a game against Keeper where I remember, but one, he had a he played for England B, a Loftus Road, yeah. and I think he scored a hat-trick against that Russia. night. Yeah, and, and also Ferdinand and Sinclair played as well, and that was the moment you thought, well, he's going to the... Because I think it was pre-98. It was pre-98 yeah, yeah, and, and think, that was a problem because Glenn Hoddle was his favourite player growing yeah. up. As a Tottenham fan, he, he loved them and he broke his heart. Yeah. And he, as it happened, managed him a few years later when he made a ill-advised comment about the reason some mm. people might have certain disabilities. Yes, yeah. Well, Glenn Hoddle was a nice um, sort of foray into our next player because not only did he not pick Matt Letizia much, he didn't pick this guy for the 1998 World Cup, and he trashed a room in La Manga, Mr. Paul. I mean, we're not going to talk too much about Paul Gascoigne as I'm going to repeat myself yet again. We will do a Paul Gascoigne put at some point during the season but we can't talk Mavericks and 90s without talking about Gaza so straight to Tottenham because you got to appreciate him as a fan we all got to appreciate him as an England fan but as a Tottenham and England fan I mean that season especially the 91 cup final run he best player in the world for me uh, without a doubt um, you think Paul Gascoigne in Tottenham you think the semi-final the free kick obviously the famous he's great in the run of the Oxford game I remember. I'm no, no disrespect yeah. to Oxford and at that time they were but he just it was like he was on his own yeah. Um, and, and you love playing with Lineker you love playing uh, with Lineker for Tottenham you love playing with Lineker for, uh, for England I mean I think Paul Gascoigne is probably the ultimate football maverick um, who could forget the, the dentist chair celebration at Euro 96 um, who could forget the way he took Italian 90 by the scruff of its neck and, and, and there's just so many iconic moments I mean uh, to be honest uh, I think Terry Venables when he sold Paul Gascoigne said it was like watching his mother-in-law Drive his uh, sports car off the off a cliff or something, and and that's what Spurs fans felt like. He he was clearly a, a very very special player, a world class player, and we were lucky to have him. To be honest, and uh, I think unfortunately, um, you know, the famous cup final, which was the Gaza final, of course, 
was was one of the things that actually set his career in decline mm. because obviously he, he got the injury. He never did it at Lazio, but um, you know, luckily Rangers picked him up and then and then he came back and and I think I think the thing about Gaza is is he's always going to be synonymous with England. You know, yeah. his his greatest performances were in an England shirt, and we can't really say that about too many. England Premier League players, mm. you know, and I think Michael Owen, I think the only one you could probably say he's more remembered fondly as an England player than because he's got Darius funny, himself. Funny, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Some Villa fans remember some memories. <laughs> what about you, someone? Gaz, if you could, with one memory sticks out for you, what, what would it be about Gaz? Well, it's quite an easy one, but I, I, I miss the early '90s stuff. So I'm. Uh, it was. I remember having posters up from Match Magazine in my living room, and watching Euro '96 mm. and seeing that goal and trying to repeat it because uh, there's been a birthday party at our house with some balloons and I <laughs> couldn't do it um, that, that when he lifted it over Hendry and just put it in that was just amazing yeah. I mean that to me was really what captured me with football because I was always the fat kid in goal so I didn't really like football <laughs> until that point until I saw him going wow do you know what this is quite good mm, yeah. um, that's just fantastic yeah. and for you Dom um, I was again I missed a lot of the early 90s stuff me and, and Phil I, showing our age yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember him when he actually signed for Middlesbrough. That was yeah. the first real glimpse I saw, apart from Euro 96, which was the first tournament I actually remember. Um, I saw him in his latter years when he got dropped from the World Cup squad mm. for Skulls. Um, but I've since watched games back, and, and I might get slated for this. England seemed to carry him in, a lot, in quite a few games that I've watched back of him, especially that Scotland game. He scored that wonderful goal, but if you watch him throughout the game, he, he's... Pretty pedestrian. He's a luxury. He was a yeah. yeah. I, I think you probably would get a, a lot of runes later, but I can I can appreciate that he was probably a luxury player in terms of, especially at that time as well. In the in the early nineties, he was more of industrious. He used to get around the pitch map more, but he was a little bit. I'm going to talk about QPR again. Apologies to the wife. Um, <laughs> but way we had Adult Rapt a few seasons ago, you accommodate yeah. that kind of player. Um, because you know you can have that moment of magic like he did against Scotland. But I also think um, you, you rightly say he 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 probably was pedestrian in a few games, but he. As you say, he had the moments of magic in him. But I think it probably his effect on the England team and the fans. <coughs> the fans wanted to see Gaza play. Yeah. And I think he lifted... Um, it was the one of our own type exactly, player, wasn't exactly. it? Exactly. I think he lifted the fans. They felt a connection with him because of uh, some of his off-the-pitch antics. And uh, I think he probably lifted the team in a way mm. because he, 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 did, he was such a huge personality. And, and he had been there to the World Cup and he'd done it, you know. And, and, and that counts for a lot, I think. Yeah. Well, we'll go back to you, Dom. You can redeem yourself now. Flick <laughs> up your collars and talk about Eric Cantona. The man changed Man United? Yeah, he definitely... He came in and he was what embodied United to go on and win those Premier League titles. Obviously, a bargain when you look at it, 1.2 million mm. from Leeds. And Sir Alex really did take a punt on him because you'd seen his cheque had passed. Um, some of the tackles he'd put in in, in France. and He'd then already been banned from the French team. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And... Yeah, he really did change United. I think, like you mentioned about Gaza just now, he was the man in that United team that brought, he picked everybody up mm. and that made them perform outside of themselves. Um, obviously, he retired really early, which was a shame. When I was really getting into United, he had just retired. So I didn't see as much of him as I'd have liked, but obviously I've watched a lot of premiership years. I've, I remember the, like, what it was like in the playground as a kid. And everyone used to talk about Cantona. It was Cantona. He was the man. Everyone wanted to be Cantona. If it wasn't him, it would have been Shearer. Mm. But, yeah, he was really United's go-to guy. And they still, they still sing about him now. Yeah. That says everything about what kind of character he was around Old Trafford in the 90s. In terms of Maverick, I think 
he sums up pretty much the word Maverick from, you know, he was a genius on the pitch. His off-pitch antics with the kung fu kick and, and the crazy seagulls with the trailer quote. But if you could pick out one memory then as a United fan of, of many, what, what, what would it be? Um, probably that goal against Sunderland. Mm. The chip just... I think that showed who he was when he just turned around and looked at the stadium and the arrogance that he had that day when you go, yeah, he was a player that he could do that. He just picked the ball up, chipped the keeper and he was, just knew, yeah, I'm the best. This is who I am. And I think that literally said who he was. Simon, so, um, is there a place in modern day football for an Eric Cantona? Or was he the right man in the right place for the Premier League, for Man United at that time? I think he'd probably be one of those Diego Costa characters nowadays, mm. wouldn't he? He'd be that guy that... Everyone goes, wow, look what he can do. But as soon as he does anything slightly untoward, he will get picked up and he'll get a lot of, get a lot of grief. So, um, yeah, I think, he, I think there would be a place for him. I just don't think he'd be playing as many matches as he yeah. used to play back then. I think he'd be, have a few more suspensions. Yeah, definitely. That, that week he stamped on a couple of players in one week, got a couple mm-hmm. of red cards. I mean, Phil Cantona for you, I mean, it's... We've talked about him a lot on this pod because a lot of people pick him as their favourite 90s player, but he, he did... Re- I mean, in the early years of the Premier League, he was the man. He, he changed the philosophy of the Premier League and opened that floodgates for guys like Jurgen Klinsmann at Spurs, didn't he? Oh, for sure. I mean, four league titles to his name and, and he played a big part in all of those. Um, he, he was, uh, as, as, as Dom said, he was the catalyst for, for what made Man United great. I mean, there's a question mark that he didn't quite do it in, um, uh, in Europe, you know. Mm. But, you know, Man United at the time weren't doing it in Europe. But, yeah, he, he definitely has got to be in the, the top top five Premier League players, without a doubt. Um, and, of course, you know, some of the antics off the pitch just made him a more interesting, more exciting yeah. player. I mean, I don't think anyone will ever forget him kung fu kicking that no. fan that night. And, you know, he, he got his punishment, rightly so. And But he came back in and, and was brilliant. And, actually, his disciplinary record when he came back was was pretty good he, he seemed to learn his lesson mm. but um, he had truly uh, a, an absolutely fantastic player I remember listening to that Kung Fu kick on the radio as it happened I think it was would have been Capital Gold good old Capital Gold and I may have been Jonathan Pearce and, and listen and he couldn't he couldn't get the words out to describe what he was seeing it was such a, a mental moment which we'll probably discuss in a, in a future pod a bit more when we talk about scandals and things like that um, we're, we're already running out of time we've got a couple of go- cover guys we want to want to quickly cover um, one of them is another former Spurs and as uh, Phil mentioned he's actual favourite player in the 90s even though I banned him from saying it <laughs> even though Teddy was a good second place um, David well David was was um very much a Spurs player um, and also I think he came, came along at, at the right time you know no Spurs fan wanted George Graham as manager regardless of the fact we, we won the League Cup and, and we got to the semi-final of the FA Cup that year no, nobody wanted George nobody wanted an Arsenal manager and, and David was really one of the I wouldn't say the only but probably the biggest bright spot in that team you know and and the season where we did win the League Cup, I mean, he was he was phenomenal. I mean, I think everyone will remember the goal against Man United where he cuts in, leaves Giggs for dead, smashes it in. Um, Don will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the FA Cup goal against Barnsley, Barnsley is, yeah. is famous. Um, although he didn't score in, in the um, two legs against Wimbledon, he actually, some of the tricks he pulled off in the, in the, the two, leg, uh, two legs of the League Cup semi-final... Were, were ridiculous and, and he really was um, 
Uh, I think a worthy winner of, of Player of the Year. I know people say the, the Man United players sort of got Fergie split. says, yeah. But, <laughs> but I, th- I think he probably was because yeah. he did, he, he really shone in, in what really was an average Tottenham side, you know. And he, he was, I mean, some of the goals he scored, some of the tricks he pulled off were fantastic. And, and my biggest regret was he was allowed to leave Tottenham, really. Yeah. I think it was um, a disgrace that they sold him to Villa. Uh, John Gregory mismanaged him and, and it was really sad to see his career peter out because um, prior to Spurs getting him and, and again think of the transfer fee we paid 2.5 million for General um, he was fantastic at Newcastle um, he was he was part of a, a wonderful team there um, I know he's had his spat with uh, Alan this week on Twitter about French League One players but you know he was he was part of a very important side at Newcastle set up a lot of goals and and uh, you know, he should never be allowed to leave Tottenham. You know, he was he was a, a fantastic player for us, and and one of the most beloved players of of the fans I, I can remember. Really, yeah. you mentioned when you mentioned uh, Aston Stat and, and Ludwig van Evelen from Norway. Was Ginola the same sort of thing at that time for for Newcastle as well? Because he was to really he was a bit of an unknown, wasn't he, to to the Premier League and, and to English fans? And we had this unknown Frenchman come in and kind of rip it up straight away in that nice rugby kit that Newcastle wore in that era. What do you, what do you remember about Ginola? Well, it's, uh, well, Oakwell. That's that's the first thing that comes into head. Yeah. That epitomizes everything. Yeah. That was great about him. The shirt being untucked. Yeah. Just the, yeah. Well, that's a, just that's a symbol of a maverick, isn't it? You've got yeah, to untuck your shirt exactly. or, or wear your socks halfway down your, your knees. Um, and then that that Newcastle side, as you mentioned, it, Aspria and people like yeah. that, Albert. Another one. It, it, yeah. There were just these people that were coming over that. Even when you're younger, you don't you don't have a massive knowledge of world football, I'd suggest. But you, when these guys come over, you suddenly go, right? Where's this place? Where's yeah. Belgium? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> who, who, Was it more fun for? then? Yeah, I think so. I don't know if that's just because we're older now. Yeah, but but because you've got a more reach to watch now, you can go on BT Sport Move and you can watch the second division in Belgium mm. or whatever. Is it more fun to to not know about a guy like Janela who comes in and then helps Newcastle, you know, challenge Man United to the title? Well, nowadays, if someone comes in. We write them off after a few games. Yeah. How can you write someone off that you don't even know what yeah. they're going to be like? I mean, Ginola was fantastic, and I I wish he'd stayed at Tottenham as well. He would have, he he was he was a Tottenham player. Yeah. I know, I know, and we talk about Spurs and stuff. But if anyone that is a Tottenham player, it's David Ginola. It's yeah. someone that will has all the skills and and gets fans off their feet quickly. To Dom, because we've got one more player, and then we're going to have to wrap up. But he always had a good game against United, didn't? Especially in a Newcastle <laughs> shirt, didn't he? Yeah, he always seems to turn up against yeah. us boys. But um, it's a shame when you think he wasn't in that France ninety eight yeah. World Cup squad because of he and Cantona that era didn't play. Yeah, you well, know. it was not. I think it was on the build up to the ninety three World mm. Cup. He instead of keeping the ball in the corner. He tried yeah. to cross it against Bulgaria. I think yeah, they've gone right, on yeah. and scored the winner. Um, and yeah, you forget that both of those weren't in that '98 World Cup squad, and how good that '98 World Cup squad was. But yeah, for me, Jelena, he he was a class player, and words. So I, I, I lose words to how to say how good he was. Mm. Um, and it just makes it's a shame he didn't win more things in his career. Mm. We've got we're running we're getting the, the <coughs> sign to wrap up, so I'm gonna mention one player, I'm gonna have one quick memory from each, um, and others we we couldn't quite mention like Tino Espria. Um but the one, the guy I actually remember him most, most fondly for maybe because I was a bit older and uh, some of the antics on and off the pitch were, 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 were quite amusing as well as the genius it's Paolo Di Canio <laughs> um, and this week well, again well actually last week talking about week in the nineties was the uh, the anniversary of his say push. I would say kind of nudge, maybe, whatever word you want, adjective you he want to use. He did go down easy. He did go yeah, down pretty easy, Paul Lawcock. Quick memory from each then, Palo de Canio, Phil? Well, uh, other than the shove, it's got, it's got to be the scissor kick, isn't yeah. it? Um, just one of the, the great goals. And again, uh, 
a player where you never quite knew what he was going to do. Yeah. And frustrating for, for managers, but fans will love him. Yeah. He was another, again, another unknown. Him and Benny Carboni at Sheffield Wednesday. I mean, that team was quite yeah. glamorous in, in the st- city of steel, wasn't it? Yeah, Vim Young, Jill's yeah. the builder. We could, <laughs> go, we could go on. They're not remembered quite as fondly. Well, look, they're, they're, to me, they are. <laughs> um, as he is a maverick, and I could, we could talk about all his goals and everything like that, but when he caught the ball, I know yeah, he had. Oh, yeah. He yeah. didn't really think about that. Yeah. He didn't. It was just natural to go. No, I think it was Paul Gerrard who's yeah, down. Yeah. Uh, a name that I haven't said for about twenty yeah, years. Yeah. Um, That's what this podcast is for, Simon. <laughs> but yeah, that that moment, that moment kind of yeah. signed him up as all his different sides. And Dom, finally, any more to Canio? I mean, eight moments you can remember. Well, I think you both said the nineties ones. There was one. I think it was two thousand one. The goal against Barthez. Now yeah. you're jumping into the next uh, uh, decade, but. He was so cool when Bartes was trying to put him off to put that pass in. And I think, apart from those two, that would be the other one that comes up about him. Yeah. Is there anyone else then we haven't mentioned? I, I think Tino Spear would be one of them. Guys like Burkham and Zayla as well. But I think they're more, they want Mavericks, they're entertainers, yeah. which we will talk about later, but in a later pod. So, Simon, anyone else quick mention? Um, yeah, Ali Dia. <laughs> He's one game wonder. It, well, he was Maverick. He wasn't was he? very Maverick. That George, was my George first e- cousin. That was my first ever football match, and I <laughs> should have known better. Match. So, and that, and he came on from Atletico. So, yeah. how's that for rounding that little bit? That's perfectly <laughs> rounded up. Dom, anyone else you want to briefly mention before we have to go? I don't know if I'd say he's a Maverick. He's more one of those players that stuck around and had good games every now and again. It was Jordi Cruyff. Yeah, like United. Like, <laughs> I think it's the first time he's ever been called a yeah, Maverick. Like, well, uh, that's what I'm saying. I wouldn't really say he's yeah. a Maverick, but he was that player that. When he come on for United, he actually did okay and he scored some goals. But he was just never that... He was never Johan. <laughs> yeah. And finally, Phil? Well, I was thinking about this. I was thinking maybe Robbie Fowler's a bit of a maverick, In a way, actually. yeah. Um, obviously, a proven goal scorer, but a lot of his uh, <coughs> antics on the pitch, obviously the famous Everton celebration and, yeah. and um, just some of his uh, general behaviour. I think he was a bit of a maverick. And again, a player that sort of burned uh, brightly for very quickly and then, you know, unfortunately his career tailed off. But... I always thought of Robbie as a bit of a maverick. Good shout, good shout. Right, well, thank you guys. Um, we did have a competition. We're going to run it for another week to win a signed Ian Rush Greatest Goals Liverpool book. So if you go on Twitter and find the tweet, um, I'll pin it to the top of the board later on. If you retweet that, we'll, we'll put you into that and we'll actually draw that next week. But for now, Simon, Dom, Phil, thank you guys. Thank you very much Thanks for that. Much. We'll have you back on soon. Uh, next week, we hope to be talking about if we get uh, the com- complete guest list sorted, Italian 90. Yes, our first podcast of a tournament for the 90s but until then keep it 90s this podcast is a west 12 media and verbal media production 